I've incorporated Mother's Day into the series that we're preaching, so we'll, you'll see some Mother's Day stuff coming up at uh, the end. But we're going to continue our conversation this morning on becoming your calling. And uh, uh, we talked about it last week, but in the new life God has called, or that word means invited us to live, we live as ambassadors for Christ. Uh, and we represent Christ um, by living as Christ lived. Um, I'm, a, I'm just going to pause for a minute and pray. Because there's a lot of activity. Uh, the slides aren't working. The sound wasn't working for the live stream uh, during the worship service. Um, you can hear the, the children crying. and It just feels like there's an unrest in the building. And so uh, let's just pray, because um, God can do a lot of things that we can't. Amen. Really, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that uh, uh, just we have an opportunity to freely gather here, Lord. And we know that in other countries, uh, the devil uh, doesn't allow people to gather publicly. Um, They have to hide in secret and those kinds of things, and that's a great challenge for them. And Lord, in in an area where we are allowed to meet publicly, the the devil challenges us in other ways. And Lord, we just ask today that your word would go forward from this place, that things that need to work would work, that distractions would be uh, taken care of by you, and that, Lord, really your word would be proclaimed forward today and minister to our hearts and our minds. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. So, you guys are probably going to need your help in the booth for the slides, because mine is stuck on tithes and offering. So, uh, anyway, we've been talking about the new life that uh, we're called or invited to live, and that we're invited to live as ambassadors for Christ. Um, And an ambassador is a a representative of the person sending them. And I'm not going to preach last week's message, but we represent Christ, and we represent him by living as Christ lived, by working for Christ's interests. In fact, Paul said that we are ministers of reconciliation. So if you've said yes to Jesus Christ and you've invited him into your life, you are a minister of reconciliation. And really, you've got to spend your life figuring out what that means for you and how to do that. But that's we work for Christ's interests, not our own. And then we also operate in the authority and in the power of Christ. And so therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. I mean, this can seem like a daunting and anxious expectation. I don't know about you, but I mean, how can I properly represent Jesus Christ? Right? That seems a little daunting. Like God says, hey, you're my ambassador. Go do my work. Represent me well. Like, I mean, how do I know how I'm supposed to live? How do I know what to say? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? And, and even what am I supposed to do? But how am I supposed to do that? Right? This, it can be daunting to think that I'm supposed to represent Jesus Christ. But the incredible, awesome thing and wonderful thing about God is that he doesn't leave us on our own to figure it out. 
In fact, God equips us for this new life. Let me say it again, that God equips us for this new life. He offers training. He offers encouragement. He offers direction and correction. He supplies power. He supplies tools. He supplies the resources that we need to be his ambassador. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at what God uses and how he equips us to be his ambassadors. And so today, uh, we're going to take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So we're going to continue reading on, but I want to I pause there for a minute because he says in verse 16 at the beginning that all Scripture is God-breathed. Now, your transla- some translations may say all Scripture is inspired, um, but what in the world does that mean? Well, it means that Scripture... Uh, in, in other words, uh, your, your Bible is 100% written by man. And at the same time, 100% inspired by God. You're like, how is that possible? If man wrote it and God inspired it, this, what's, how, how does this work? And I love the illustration that we had this at Alpha this past week, because we were chatting about the Bible on Alpha. So, um, in, if we could go to the next slide, guys. It should be a picture, yeah. In 1675, this, this gentleman, Sir Christopher Wren, began building St. Paul's Cathedral in London, England. If we can go to the next slide. Beautiful, uh, beautiful piece. It took 36 years to build this. Uh, Man, can you imagine working for 36 years on one building? And it was finally finished in the year 1711. You can go to the next, next picture. The entire building from start to finish was inspired by Christopher Wren. Go to the next picture. I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous, beautiful. And he inspired the entire thing from from every room to every decoration piece to the colors to everything was him. Here's the kitsch. He didn't lay a single stone and he didn't paint a single stroke with a paintbrush. The building was 100% inspired by Christopher Wren, but others carried the inspiration out and did the work. And so, when we say that Scripture is 100% inspired by God and 100% written by man, you have something to grasp and understand that is all God. All, completely inspired, every piece of it. But it was 100% written by man. And so, when we say that Scripture is God-breathed and God-inspired, this, this is what we mean. Paul goes on in verse 16, if you can go to the next slide. 
to tell us that Scripture is beneficial. He says it is useful. That word useful means uh, has a purpose. It has, it's, it's beneficial. It, it's, it's those things. And, and he lists four things here. He said useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, some of these sound like they're kind of the same thing. So let me explain to you what each four of those things are quickly. First thing, useful for teaching. Scripture teaches us about God. It's useful for teaching. We learn, we know about God from the Scripture. Who God is, what God expects, um, all of these kinds of things. The doctrine of, uh, the Christian doctrine about God, we learn, we're taught that by Scripture. Rebuking. Rebuking is simply this. It's an internal conviction of our errors. And so Scripture convinces us of the places where we're wrong. Right? None of us enjoy rebuking. Right? But, but it's a necessary part. And if you, if you put it in the terms of building a building where it's inspired by one person, a rebuke would be like, no, 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 no. I don't want the window there. I want the window there. Now, how many of you at work would be like, I can't believe my boss rebuked me? You'd be like, oh, gosh, I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't put the window there. It's supposed to go here, right? Like, it's a rebuke. It convinces us of where we're wrong. Scripture does that. Correction. That, to me, always sounded like the same thing. Like, rebuke and correct. Doesn't that go together? Well, in the Greek where it was written, correction actually meant to straighten out to restore to proper condition. So I like to work with my hands, and I like to things, and sometimes, you know, you're working with something, and you're pounding it, and like, it bends, and now the tool's not useful anymore for what I need it to do. So I'll take it to a vise, and I'll put it in the vise, and I'll hammer it, and I'll straighten it out so I can go back to using it again. That's what Scripture's referring to about correction. It's straightening it out and restoring it so it can be properly used again. Sometimes we need a little bit of straightening out, right? So that we can be properly used the way we were intended to and designed to. And lastly, it trains us. It's, it's useful for training in righteousness. It means to train us towards full development. Like we do with our children. We send our kids to school. We invest in them. And our goal is so that they would fully develop and mature to be productive citizens to be productive people who are whole and mature. And that's what this training towards righteousness, it's this intended design to bring us to full maturity. So this is what Paul is saying. This is how Scripture is beneficial for us. It teaches us about God. It convinces us of our errors. It straightens us out and restores us. And it leads us to full development and maturity in righteousness. So, what is it beneficial for? What is it useful for? You say, well, didn't, doesn't he say here it's useful for these things? He does, but I've got to point out to you that after righteousness, there's a comma. Now, some Bibles have a period there. The original translation, the original work, there was a comma, not a period, and that's important. Because these things lead us somewhere. Verse 17 so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So 
God equips us with his word. This is one of the things that God equips us, uses to equip us to be his ambassadors. The end impact of scripture is equipping. And let's not get that out of sorts. See, God didn't inspire the scriptures just so we can teach people. He didn't just inspire scripture so we get to rebuke people. Like, I have met people who find great joy in just rebuking you or rebuking me. As if, like, that's the final thing. Oh, I get to rebuke you because Scripture says I can. Like, that's, that's not why God inspired Scripture, so you get to rebuke people. Nor did he inspire Scripture to correct and to train. God inspired the Scriptures so that we can be equipped to live the new life, which is done through teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. So it's not that God doesn't want these things in our life. There's an end result. It's your equipping to be his ambassadors. There's a purpose of why it's useful and beneficial. Right? In anything in life, if something's useful or beneficial, you have to say, well, why is this beneficial? Something that's beneficial to me might not be beneficial to you because it's where it's leading me, where it's going. And Paul's pointing out here, that God uses the word to equip us. Now, uh, I want to I offer you some examples this morning of how God's word has equipped us. And I've asked a, a couple of ladies this morning uh, to share their thoughts. And I asked them this question. In your role as a mother... What scripture did you hold on to, or which scripture helped you, and why? And I uh, have a few uh, Peg Haskells coming um, up to share uh, first, and then uh, after, after her, uh, Lori will come up. So, and then I'll come up after Lori and, and wrap this up. So, uh, Peg, thank you so much for, for agreeing to, to come up and do this. Good morning, everyone. Before I begin, I'd like to recognize every lady here with us this morning. As much as we know that this is a day of celebration for mothers, um, I'm also aware that this can be a difficult day for those of us who may have lost our mothers or who have lost a child. And I want to share that we love you, God sees you. He loves you. Um, He knows your pain. And I also want to encourage those who um, always wanted children and they don't have children. Many of you have taken on the mantle of being a spiritual mother to those who need your godly mentorship and love. And your legacy is having a positive influence on these children. And it's going to shape them today and for eternity. As Pastor shared, he asked, he invited me to share a scripture that has an impact on me, my go-to scripture as a wife and a mother. 
And I want to say at the outset that in my role where I work at Trinity Christian Academy, sometimes I'm asked to share from time to time in front of groups of people, but public speaking is definitely not my comfort zone. (laughs) However, when God is tugging on my heart and asking me to do something out of my comfort zone, that's precisely when I am reminded of my go-to scripture verse, which is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, this verse doesn't mean that I should be a superwoman or that I think that I'm a superwoman by taking everything on. It's not speaking necessarily about physical strength either. On the contrary, it's my go-to scripture because I recognize that I am weak and I am frail. And it means that when I face a situation or season in life that looks overwhelming out of my comfort zone, I know I can lean on the Lord to give me his strength. It really helps to understand what Paul is saying in this verse if we study the context of Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul started a church in the city of Philippi, a colony of retired Roman soldiers, and the Philippians became friends and supporters for the rest of Paul's life. And when they heard he was in Rome as a prisoner, they collected money to help him, and they sent Epaphroditus to deliver it to Paul. Later, Paul sent him back with a letter to the Philippians. Paul knew that they were facing a lot of opposition, so he appeals to his own life as an example of how to respond to hardship with joy. And remember, he's writing from prison. Some of the key points that I love in his letter is that Paul shares that what happened to him was actually served to advance the gospel. He also shares that he hopes he will have sufficient courage so Christ will be exalted in his body, whether by life or by death. And then there is that verse that many of us know, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Before he even pens Philippians 4.13, Paul talks about contentment, In all circumstances, he talks about being in need and having plenty, but learning to be content through it all. I have not faced the trials, the tribulations, persecution, and imprisonment that Paul faced, not to mention countless others through the ages who have stood for Christ and relied on his strength, whether they lived or whether they died. I'm just a small-town girl who is a wife and a mother, who serves a big God. But this morning, I will try to share how Paul's words in Philippians 4.13 has helped me through different seasons of my life to hopefully encourage someone. And I'm going to share some personal stories, as many more. From the early years of being a Christian and being called the religious one, Being in situations where I have tried to share my faith, I have felt the Lord giving me strength when I really just wanted to be silent. And there's other situations where I really wanted to say something and God gave me the strength to keep my mouth shut. 
From being called with my husband to start a Christian school out of nothing in 1987 and seeing God's provision and experiencing God's strength during challenging economic times. From being called out of our comfort zone of New England, 3,000 miles away, to serve in Christian schools in Oregon, leaving everything and everyone we knew and loved, I have experienced the Lord's strength. Through the pain of finding out on the heels of the recession of 2008, after 18 years of faithful service to a Christian ministry, my husband's position had been eliminated for economic reasons. I have relied on the Lord's strength. Through the grief of losing loved ones, my father, the demands of caregiving and losing my mother two years ago, I have felt the Lord's presence. Am I perfect? Nope. Did I waver in my trust? Yes. But did the Lord see me through? Yes. Each of these examples are long stories in and of themselves. And some of you this morning probably have walked through similar or even more challenging seasons than these. The one thing I've learned in addition to relying on God's strength is God's sovereignty. Sometimes we question why God allows trials in our lives. But then when we look back, we can see God's invisible hand was, all, was in it all. We learn about his grace. We learn about how to show grace to others, how to empathize. And sometimes he allows things to happen because he doesn't want us to stay stuck where we are. He has something special planned for us, and he wants to use those trials to help us. As Paul said, to advance the gospel. And during the week, as I have been mulling over what to share, I was chatting with our oldest daughter, many of you know her, Peggy, and she said, Mom, just share from your own experiences. And I said to her, Well, some of those experiences involve my children. And I want to be sensitive about that. And she said, well, Mom, you have my permission to share anything about me. And so with her permission and her blessing, I will share about a very difficult time in our family. 21 years ago, a few days after Christmas, our oldest daughter, Peggy, shared at the dinner table that she was pregnant. She was still living with us, and she was not married. During her pregnancy, her boyfriend decided he did not want the child. He was advocating that she give up the baby for adoption. And ultimately, he walked away. You can probably imagine what our daughter was going through. Those were very difficult days for her. Those were my darkest days as a mom. As I dealt with the anger I had toward this man, who basically abandoned our daughter. I grieved for our daughter, and I prayed for our grandchild while he was still in the womb. And the truth of it all is, this is really our daughter Peggy's story. And I want to say we are so proud that she never hesitated about saying yes to life. 
and she bravely decided to raise her son, our beautiful grandson, Tommy. It was not an easy decision, and I just want to pause here and say that whether she chose adoption or whether she chose to keep her child, and for anybody that's facing that situation, both of those decisions are courageous decisions to make. And all of our circumstances are different. And in my daughter's life, she had a supportive family, and this was the right decision for her. I also want to share that she decided in the 11th hour, basically. She was praying through the nine months of pregnancy, and there was an agency in the waiting, and God spoke to her in the 11th hour. And this was, and this, I'm going off script here because this was a situation in my life where I had to pray and trust God that no matter what she decided, it was her decision to make. And God would give me and her the strength no matter what. We are thankful that she decided to keep our grandson, Tommy. That season was a very difficult time for our family watching our daughter wrestle through all the emotions and decisions and hearing all the well-meaning Christians with well-meaning advice. Sometimes the only thing you need to hear from friends when you're going through hard times is, I'm praying for you. And we had friends who did just that. And I remember one night, it was Easter Sunday night. I was feeling all the heaviness watching our daughter going through such an emotional roller coaster. And I cried out to the Lord. And I really, I mean, I cried. I woke up the whole house. Ben can testify. I was screaming out to the Lord, Lord, I need you to intervene, and I need your strength. The burden was so heavy for all of us in the family. There is so much more to this part of our family's story, but through many months of prayers and many tears, God gave us all the strength, and the Lord blessed Peggy with a beautiful, healthy baby boy. Peggy made her decision the day the baby was born, and I could never imagine our lives without Tommy. Some questioned, how is she going to raise a child? She had no job. She had no car. She just graduated from college. But God never fails. He provided in so many ways. Everything for the newborn baby poured in. Within a few months, Peggy was offered a job, Then she was able to purchase a car, then an apartment, and later a condo. Tommy has never met his dad, but he grew up with lots of love and encouragement. And as you all know, those of you who know Tommy, he loves the Lord. He's now studying to go into the ministry, and he's engaged to be married this July. And the other part of the story is that Peggy was a single mom for 10 years. And remember the story I told you about Ben losing his job, well, that brought us out to the East Coast to accept the position at Trinity Christian Academy. And guess what? Peggy met the love of her life in this church, and she's now married and in ministry with her husband. A chorus comes to mind as I reflect on this and other trying seasons of my life. And it goes, I'm not going to sing it because I don't think I can, but The chorus goes, his strength is perfect when our strength is gone. He carries us when we can't carry on. Raised by his power, the weak become strong. 
His strength is perfect. His strength is perfect. Now in this current season I am living in, I'm still leaning and trusting the Lord for his strength for other challenges that I won't share today. But I know God never fails. He is able. And when I am weak, he is strong. And in closing, I just want to encourage all the ladies and men this morning, no matter what you may be facing today or tomorrow, God will see you through. And in the words of a song penned by Pastor Ron Cochran, who is my music pastor in Oregon, it goes like this. He will see you through. He loves you. He will see you through. He will be for you a refuge. He will see you through. He will be your peace in the night. He will be your strength in the fight. He will see you through. He loves you. He will see you through. Good morning, church. Thank you, Peg, for those encouraging words. Beautiful. God is faithful. So for my story, um, my parents were living far from us when I became a mom. We were in South Carolina, and as a new mom, my, my oldest was just a little baby, and I was going through a Bible study with the women in our church, and I came on this verse. Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. And I said, that verse is for me. I'm grabbing hold of that one. You can put up the the cute picture now while I talk. (laughs) Aren't they cute? adorable. That picture stays in my dining room, by the way. Um, So this verse, it was a promise to Israel, and it was speaking of the Messiah to come. In context with the previous verses, I'll read the passage together, and this is what it says. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Looking back, we now know this promise was for us as well. Jesus said, you're going to recognize this, in John 10, 14 through 16, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that's us, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. To know that I had a good shepherd watching over 
and gently leading me as I learned how to mother was such a comfort as my own mother was so far away. Not only would he gently lead me, but he would protect me and he would provide for me. He would be my shepherd, but he would also hold my children close to his own heart. This truth has carried me through many a day when I questioned what was happening in my children's lives. I held on to the fact that he loves each one of them so much more than I ever could, even though that's hard to fathom. My children are no longer young, but have all reached adulthood. My oldest has children of her own. That doesn't mean God's promise has ended. It's just carried on to the next generation. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. I think that was the last picture taken where Christina was taller than both boys. Just saying. Just saying. Thank you, ladies, so much for that um, powerful examples of how God uses his word to equip us. Both of them had these scripture verses that God strengthened them with and taught them through and held them in times of, of hardship and carried them through and this is this is what God's word does for us. It equips us to live this life, to understand, to know, to stand firm in, and these kinds of things. And I challenge you today to make learning and reading God's word a priority in your life. I run into so many Christians who are struggling to do and to be what God has asked them to do and to be. And most of the time I can trace it back because they don't know God's word. They haven't been equipped with God's word. They're unaware of God's promises and what God says and what God thinks. And he's given us this incredible resource, this tool that we may know and stand firm in as you just heard. So uh, it's, not a, it's not a law. It's not a rule that if you don't read, you're going to, you know, but it's, it's a tool there. It's a resource for you so that you can be fully equipped for this life and to be an ambassador for Christ. And to be an effective ambassador, it is necessary to read and to know God's Word. As we close this morning, I'm going to pray for you this morning, and then I have a, a video that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share, just a Mother's Day video, and and as you leave uh, this morning after the video plays in the back, I have a gift for every lady in this place, regardless if you're a biological mother or not. Um, and I'll, I'll be at the, the back with that. But as I pray, I want to acknowledge this. I know that Mother's Day, uh, for some, brings mo memories of great joy and appreciation and, and uh, connectedness. And I also know for some it's, it's a day of a lot of pain a lot of heartache, um, a lot of memories you wish not to remember. And so everyone's experience on Mother's Day is, 
is it's a wide spectrum. And so I want you to, to know today that regardless if your experience with motherhood was a great experience, whether it be you or your own mother, or, or whether it was terrible, and whether, um, as was said, God loves you. God is with you. And God, if we'll think through our lives, you'll, th- you'll, you'll recognize some people who God sent maybe for in that role, who maybe mothered you, who, who nurtured you, who took care of you, who invested into you, and we can celebrate that this morning. You also, if you're here today, have the opportunity, if you had a bad experience with your mother, is to change that. To change that for the next generation. And whether you can have biological children or not, you can invest into a young lady, a young person who needs that example as well. So let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for moms. Uh, There's not a single mom on this earth that was perfect, not even Mary. And so, Lord, we, we know that you entrust us to do important work, even in the midst of our brokenness and our weaknesses. And Lord, it requires us to lean on you to accomplish the role and the task that you've given us. And Lord, this morning we so thank you that you've shown us that you can equip us with your word. That your word will actually strengthen us and inspire us and teach us and motivate us to do your work. Lord, I pray this morning for the mothers in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them by your word, that you would speak to them and empower them and encourage them and give them sleep. Uh, Mothers are the most sleepless people I know. Lord, I pray for those whose mothers have passed. I pray today, Lord, that you would comfort them, that you'd bring them the good memories uh, they had with their mother, that that you would just be with them in a special way today. And I pray, Lord, for those who are who are, have had a negative experience in mothering. I pray, Lord, that you would heal that. I pray, Lord, that you would bring someone into their life, Lord, that would be a nurturer and a mentor and, and fill that gap, Lord. Lord, we thank you and we celebrate moms today. In your precious name, amen.